there is a straight line that exists between every dollar put into the offering plate, which leads to the work of a church, which leads to the proclamation of the gospel, which leads to people knowing Christ, which leads to people praising God eternally in his kingdom forever. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the one and only Every Moment His podcast. Uh, today we're talking about the uh, topic of generosity, and I can feel it now. This is going to be a very generous podcast. Yeah, a generous conversation. About generosity. <laughs> yeah. In fact, so generous that we are going to unveil the long-awaited <laughs> Baptist joke. Yeah, so here's the Baptist joke. We've been holding it back for a few weeks, but today is the day of generosity. So here it is. How do you keep a Baptist from drinking your beers? Tell me. You invite another Baptist along. I see. Yeah, so the, the joke is hinging on the knowledge that some Baptists say it's wrong to drink beer. At like all, ever. At, or any alcohol. Yeah. And so one Baptist will drink beer with you, but if you bring two, they'll tell on each other. They're going to tell on each yeah. other. Yeah. So they I won't. See. Yeah. And uh, we, we do have Baptist friends yeah. and we love our Baptist friends. We do. And I would, I would have a root beer with any Baptist that wanted to. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So right. today we're talking about generosity. You preached um, a first of three sermons on what I would say is a, a, a little-known part of the scriptures, which is in 2 Corinthians. But the topic of generosity is kind of practically laid out for us there, mm-hmm. uh, where St. Paul is writing to this, these churches, and he's encouraging them strongly um, mm-hmm. to, to give, to give out of their wealth, their abundance, and to imitate another church, another set of churches that were very poor. Yeah, they did not give out of their abundance. Yeah. They gave out of their lack of abundance. They were kind of um, attacked on one side by poverty and attacked on the other side by persecution. And yet they still managed to beg Paul for the, the privilege of being generous uh, for Christians that they had never even met, which yeah. is pretty neat. And, and I think this is one thing that marked out God's people mm-hmm. uh, in the church. The New Testament Christians were generous people. In, they were. In a time when generosity was not really a virtue. Not so much. No. Like wealth was a virtue, but generosity right. was weird. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited for the, the other two sermons too because I've never heard a sermon series on this set of scripture. I'm just excited to see what you're going to bring out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I preached on this about maybe three years ago. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to study the history of the text and what's going on. And I kind of realized how gently persuasive Paul is. I mean, he's not going to command the Corinthians, like, you guys better give. You promised you would. He tells a story about other people's generosity in not ideal circumstances. And then he goes on to talk about the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he, though possessing all riches, subjected mm-hmm. himself to the naked poverty of the cross. Yeah. And he did that to make us rich. And so he's like, all right, Corinthians, if that's not going to change your heart to be generous, then nothing's going to. In fact, you know, what's interesting about this whole section of Second Corinthians is that the letter, the whole letter is actually Paul kind of trying to figure out, are these Corinthians for real? 
is their faith even real? Hmm. Because they'd given Paul such a runaround. If you read 1 Corinthians, yeah. you'll see it. And uh, Paul has kind of a complicated relationship with them. And as he kind of does the mic drop in chapter 13 when the letter is closing, he's kind of like, show me, guys, are you real or not? Hmm. And I think part of it hinges on their generosity. Hmm. So one question I had for you as, as we were, I was listening to your sermon, you know, how can we compare and contrast maybe uh, Christian-specific <coughs> generosity to a generosity that is common or, you know, secular generosity, mm-hmm. you know, people give to all kinds of causes. Facebook's always hitting me up for something. I yeah. just recently hit people up <laughs> to help with a, like a, a push-up project uh, to raise awareness for veteran suicide. It happens all the time. So what's the difference between how Christians are motivated in their generosity and maybe what's the motivation outside of Christianity? That's a really good question. Uh, You know, part of it, I think, is the goal and also the motivation. So, I mean, the goal of our generosity is, yes, the good of people, yes, the salvation of others that they might know Christ, but ultimately our goal is the glory of God because there is a straight line that exists between every dollar put into the offering plate, which leads to the work of a church, which leads to the proclamation of the gospel, which leads to people knowing Christ, which leads to people praising God eternally in his kingdom forever. So I think our goal is more eternal than just temporary. Yeah. Uh, And then also with that, I think our motivation is different because we can talk about practical motivation. We can even talk about guilt, do your part motivation. I think of uh, um, the Humane Society. Oh, yeah. What's the song? Arms of the Angel. Arms of an Angel. Can you sing it a little bit? Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't. Th- I have a sort like a okay. cough recently. Yeah, so I can <laughs> well, it's kind of like the it's Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. right? And it's the sad kitties. Yeah, with the black and white sepia tone pictures, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's like you know every day the the, the cats <laughs> are dying, and for how can you do nothing? You know? Yeah, right. Um, so yanking it. So guilt. Yeah, you, guilt. You, you were careful to say. I'm not going to guilt anybody, and that's not what St. Paul is doing here. No, he's not, no. He's not laying on this guilt trip. He yeah. is doing a little persuasive comparison, I would say, because uh, he's saying, look at the gen- like the inspiration of the generosity of the churches in Macedonia who yeah. are begging mm-hmm. when they literally could be begging for the ne- their next meal. They were begging that Paul would take the gift to Jerusalem to help the other persecuted Christians. I think there's one more difference between secular generosity and the church's generosity is that secular generosi- generosity is often incidental mm-hmm. or it's it's kind of here and there. So like let's say that somebody listens to NPR and then like they get on and they say, hey, we want you to be a subscriber. We want you to, to get the coffee mug or the, the bathrobe or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, or if somebody uh, participates in, in some kind of a like – I don't know, Kiwanis or something. Yeah. You know, they're going to do their yearly fundraiser, spaghetti feed, whatever. But for Christians, our generosity is is practiced over and over and over and over as a pattern of life in mm. worship. So us giving in the offering plate is a practice of worship, and it, and it takes place as a something you do your whole life. Yeah. I think when I think about there's a lot of things you could give to in this world, you know, there's a lot. And, you know, when you give, okay, 
say you're going to give to a, a cancer research, mm-hmm. very noble cause, you know. Yeah. Uh, however, let's say someone cured cancer because of that gift. Well, there's still this massive problem of sin and death in the world. Inevitable death. Yeah. yeah. And so when Christians uh, are particularly supporting the work of the gospel, which we're mm-hmm. explicitly called to do elsewhere in the New Testament, um, when, when we're doing this, we're saying we're going to invest in that one investment that is sure to pay off eternally. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even if it doesn't, for every aspect, everyone that we want to be saved, we know that for those it does save, it will be an eternal blessing and not just a temporal one. Yeah, right. And and, and certainly the church cares a lot about temporary things, mm-hmm. but we also have an eye on the eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, what else you got? So um, when we think about generosity, I think it would be useful for us to think about um, maybe in our own personal lives, you know, how this uh, practice of generosity has impacted us. Mm. I think, you know, it has certainly impacted my life. And I think I've just honestly, when I address my finances uh, in a godly way, it's very challenging. Um, But it's also something that has caused me to have really deep and practical uh, growth in my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, just ordering my life according to uh, a different state of heart and mind. Uh, have you found that to be the case too? Or what, what has helped you to change in your understanding of generosity over the years? I, I think for me it's been that I've been on the other end of it. And so I have experienced generosity, like just over-the-top rich generosity in a point where I really didn't have any money. Hmm. And and so being in seminary, being on vicarage, you know, kind of putting my life on hold for four years of seminary, a couple of years after college, like my friends had, you know, full-time jobs with benefits and they were putting away money for retirement and I'm getting into more debt <laughs> to go through the seminary. And, and there was a particular church that was just crazy generous in the same way that our church is very generous as well to our seminarian uh, and uh, here at Holy Cross, uh, Andy Johnson and his family. Um, and, and I just was like, wow, if it wasn't for the generosity of this church helping me out with seminary, I would be like thousands and thousands of double digit thousands in debt. Mm-hmm. And, and so that church eased a burden for me and for my marriage and for my ministry because they were generous. Yeah. So I think that's what's kind of shaped me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I would uh, resonate with that too, just saying, yeah, that generosity given to me has made me think differently mm-hmm. about money. Um, it also, you know, I do think I had a, like a real strong scarcity mindset. Yeah. You know, especially in high school, <laughs> <laughs> like I, yeah. I liked your story about running out of gas because I'm like, man, I have been there. <laughs> yeah, especially you know, in, as high schoolers, you just don't have any money, and um, y- yeah. So if that's the case, you you do develop this kind of scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're someone who's kind of disciplined, you can kind of have this um, long-term scarcity mindset yeah. to say, I'm going to save every single penny, and I'm never going to buy a new anything. Yeah. Um, so that I can achieve what I want to achieve and right. impossible kind of odds. 
And I think it's that generosity that changes that to say, you know, actually, uh, you're abundantly rich in Christ already. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you don't have to be so wrapped around finances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a blessing. Uh, The other thing, too, is, you know, you and I have both gone through seminary and the Concordia system is not cheap. Nope. So we've burdened a lot of that. People have helped us. But also what I found is, uh, you know, Jesus says, if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. And I think to just when you are kind of in poverty, quote unquote, um, and you decide at that moment, I'm going to entrust my money to God and be faithful even because what's the difference you know is not going to be a huge difference percentage wise it's going to be about the same Um, I'm I mean I have no chance choice anyway right so I think it's that kind of I hope that's clear (laughs) I feel like I'm rambling but it's that mindset shift of you know whatever I have either if I'm rich or I'm poor uh, it's a gift and if I can hold on to uh, yeah I'm gonna I'm making you know very little money, part-time job in seminary, making a couple hundred bucks a week or something. Yeah. But I'm going to be faithful because I know God's not going to let me die. Right. He's not going <laughs> to let me He's not going to let me starve. And yeah. you know what? He better be, there better be a God who's going to care for me yeah. because I, I recognize that a couple hundred bucks a week, I'm not going to be able to do it myself. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of faithful, it's, it, it's a leap of faith. It's another leap of faith. It is. Yeah. And, you know, looking back to college and seminary, um, you know, my wife and I made a decision to be generous when we were in college and seminary, when we were first married and then through seminary. And and that was often a little painful, but looking back, God did provide in amazing ways. And, and so for me, generosity, giving to my own church is just to be like, you know what, God, like, I don't deserve my next breath, but you give it and then some. So the least I can do is I can give back to you as a simple way of saying, you gave it all to me. Here's some back and I trust you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. And one thing I find, too, is um, it's always worth revisiting, too, because there is a part of me that's like, um let's see, I have a little increase in my income or something like that. There's a part of my sinful nature that's going to let that ride for a while. Yeah, right. And yeah. I'm not going to correspondingly increase my giving to the church. Yeah. And and I think it's just, it's a bit of a stick in the eye to my greed, yeah. my greedy little heart when I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie that anyway. I'm not going to just kind of call it close enough it's a way of mortifying the flesh yeah i'm yeah. not just gonna take the gravy right right <laughs> yeah, so yeah i think yeah it's a, it's good it's a way of mortifying the flesh Kill, killing the old adam and just continuing to recognize this truth cool um so have you found that you've been real bl- you said you've been really blessed by this practice in your in your life with kelly yeah and and you know what's what's interesting is that it, it was kind of taught to me by my dad mm. So we started going back to church when I was in high school, and and I would see him write out the check, and he would always his his thing was he, you know, uh, Christians have different opinions on whether we should 
whether New Testament believers should tithe or not. That means to give 10% of your income. And then there's debate on whether you should give 10% of the net or the gross. <laughs> um, <coughs> those are all fun debates. But he had always just kind of said, you know, when, when God blesses me with a paycheck, I, I give 10% of it to the church. And I do that because it's just my obedience to God. I want to mm. be thankful. And so then when I got my first job in high school, it, w it, it was just kind of ingrained in me that, yeah, even though I make $55 a week, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the hardware store mm -hmm. with my eight hours that they would give me um, or whatever I, it was, uh, it just became a practice. And then as I went through seminary and, 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 and into my first church and then here at Holy Cross, I mean, that's just been a practice. And, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not saying this, people always get a little weird with talking about money, like mm -hmm. boasting. I, this is, a, as Paul says, imitate me. I'm never going to ask the church to do something that I don't do. Yeah, yeah. Like, because that's dishonest. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm going to practice generosity, and then, and then I feel confident in asking the church to practice generosity. But for me, yeah, it was something I saw modeled by my father, and it was just ingrained in me. Huh. And then it just kind of stuck with me. And, and I have to admit this to my own shame. Sometimes that check has been the last check that I write in the month. And that's been, a, that's been convicting for me because mm -hmm. I realize, mm -hmm. you know what, actually it should be the first check that I write in mm -hmm. the month. Because uh, there's been a few times that I've looked at my budget for the month and I've said, man, we did great this month. Did we like not <laughs> eat out? Or, yeah. And then I realize, dude, you didn't give to the Lord, you know, your yeah. first fruits. And, and so I'm like, okay. Yeah. So this is a huge biblical topic, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, just zeroing in on that, pr those personal experiences, I think it's powerful. Props to your dad for yeah. modeling that. I feel like my parents did model this to me when I was young, but then I did not follow through in my teen years. And even, even into my university years, it just wasn't really a priority for me. And then I almost like rediscovered it um, mm -hmm. as probably as I became a church worker, I recognized the mm -hmm. need and the same thing. It's like if we're going to if the church expects people to give those who serve in the church uh, need to give too, yeah uh, and understand yeah. it well. You know, I just to share another quick story, I think something that's impacted my own generosity is is just being part of a church that was struggling. Mm. And in, at, a, at a previous church, you know, we had a really big deficit. And within that deficit was my salary <laughs> and then yeah, some. Yeah, yeah. And it just wasn't looking like, you know, we were going to really be able to make it work. Like I was going to maybe have to get a part-time gig at a different church to make ends meet. And, and But, you know, what was really cool is that we preached on this topic of generosity. We, we talked about it. And our church rallied around this theme of generosity. And so I found myself being part of something bigger than myself, which is the gospel. And, and, and I just saw the way that we as a church came together. We recognized the goals that we had. We really dug deep in the scriptures and then we matured in our generosity. And so being part of a group of believers who just kind of grew in that area was mm. really formative for me. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I think the thing that will always shape my generosity the most is is simply the gospel. I mean, the more that we read, the we learn how generous God is. That just melts your heart. Yeah. And you know, whether we give large sums or small sums or whatever it is proportionate to our income, um, it's all motivated by the grace of Christ. 
Yeah, you know what has really um, affected me as well is, um, you know, as a pastor, you get to be with people in their last days. Mm-hmm. And man, it's just, it's striking. You know, if you do that enough, you just recognize money is just not going to, it's not the vehicle yeah. to get you where you think you need it. It's going to, it's not going to be that fortress. And so I think it's really freeing um, if you just hear the gospel and all it's, it's good news. Like you are cared, you're, do- you're cared for, you know, yeah. like the Lord is not going to abandon you and yeah. his strength is with you. Now your money then takes on a new character, right? It's not yeah. it's not to self be a self salvation. You can't take it with you. Yeah, yeah, you can't take it with you, and it can't it can't heal your body, right? right. It can't heal your soul. It can't even um, give you lasting pleasure. And yeah, and and I think of it of being I want to be invested in something eternal. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can invest in your Roth IRA, you can invest in your four hundred one k and. And that'll ride the winds of, of the market up and down. But eventually you can't take it with you. But when you're investing in the kingdom of God, yeah. that's where it's at. Uh, I, you're investing in the lives of people eternally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like you have a bit of a secret. You know, if you know that in the gospel you're eternally cared for, you, the secret is you can use your money for fun things to bless people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be no, and and you know what? Don't even take credit for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. The left hand doesn't know it to kn- mm-hmm. know what the right hand's doing, and and that's that's where really uh, we uh, you know like our hearts are changed in generosity mm-hmm. is where nobody needs to know, you know, it it, mm-hmm. it it just needs to be for the good of other people and the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, so a last kind of a practical thought here: how can how can we teach? Uh, our children to be lifelong generous people. Mm-hmm. And I think your story about your dad just writing a check um, is a great, it, that's a great starting point. I find that kids, my, our kids are really interested in giving to the church. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mine too. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you what we do anyway. We, um, we have jars for our kids. We have three different jars, a, a spend jar, a give jar and a save jar. Mm-hmm. And we give them, you know, we, we give them like some money when they do chores. And yeah. then for it, I generally give them quarters. And so I made it real simple for every 10 quarters they get. Um, one goes into the, into the give jar, one goes into the save jar and they get the, the rest to spend on whatever they want. Yeah. And so I just think that that is just a real simple way that I've just tried to ingrain. There's a, there's a habit and a pattern and mm-hmm. kind of that first fruits, and I haven't had any issues with that. Uh, they've really, they really love bringing their, you know, it's kind of a shame we're not passing the plate anymore because like yeah, the kids right. like really loved they uh, love my quarters going in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, any other thoughts like that? Well, we have kind of a similar system. Uh, so Kelly made these little offering jars for the kids, and uh, we have payday. You know, they get mm-hmm. uh, we have these fake dollars that we give them. We give them. Fake dollars and and real dollars. So my wife, she planned this out. It's it's genius. So, so they get the fake dollars, which represent real dollars, but so that they don't lose it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they get a real dollar, and uh, this is upon completion of all their you know things that they're supposed to do yep. to be good citizens in yeah. our home <laughs> habits. Yeah. And uh, then they take that that uh, that dollar and they use it for the offering. And and you know the kids they they. They like that practice of yeah. their offering. In fact, uh, you know, and I- there's even been times where 
one of my kids just walked up to me and he gave me two dollars. He said, "Here, I, I want to give this to the church." Yeah. Like, I think he heard about NTV. Oh yeah, yeah. And and he thought, "I want to give to NTV." So that's awesome. He gave me two dollars. I yeah. thought, "Okay, that's cool." <laughs> yeah, that's that's neat. I do think, yeah, kids naturally do want to give, and yeah. I think they have the mindset that we as adults should have. Like, I am a child of God. Yeah. And therefore I am free to use my goods because mm-hmm. I know I'm cared for. I know I don't have to pay all the bills. Right. Right. Um, God is the one sustaining everything. So we're more free yeah. uh, to give things away. Yeah. And I guess a closing thought is, you know, this is kind of a strange season maybe to talk about generosity mm-hmm. because I mean, things are difficult right now for, for many people. Um, yeah. And and I think that there are, there are some people in Kearney who are doing fine, you know they're okay, but on the other hand there are people who are really hurting. Mm-hmm. And um, any thoughts on that? Well, I I just think you know when we look at the giving patterns in the church in the New Testament, they're they're giving for the relief of another body of Christians. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know we tend uh, we don't really have programs like that. Maybe maybe the closest thing would be. When we um, when we give to our district, yeah, the district helps support churches that are struggling. Or you know, our church has a benevolence fund, mm-hmm. so we have a fund set aside that people give to, so that like if you lose your job and you can't pay your mortgage, like we want to have that kind of relationship with people where they could come to us and we could we could help them mm-hmm. uh, for a genuine case of need. Um, but yeah, I think part well actually in the Old Testament, the purpose of the tithe was for the temple to keep the temple looking nice and and being a good space to worship in to provide for the levites and the and the uh the priests who made it their full-time gig to yeah, that's all they did worship and teach and all that and then also for the care of the poor mm-hmm. um, and i think that it'd be great if just churches could recover that practice in full i think so that, like members knew that hey if if i I'm really struggling in my finances. Not like I can't afford coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm like gonna lose my car. I'm gonna, I'm lose, gonna my lose my car. My house. Yeah. That there would be this like, you know, the church has got my back, and mm-hmm. and 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 I kind of pay it forward. You know, like the church helps me, and then when I have the financial ability, I'll help that yeah. fund too. Yeah, and this is what Paul says, right? He says, not that it would be unfair, but you can give in your generosity, and then in your need, you will receive. Yeah. Um, well, good. Well, I look forward to hearing the rest of the sermon series and um, uh, maybe some more jokes, too, along the way. Yeah, maybe some Lutheran jokes. <laughs> All right. Challenge accepted. Yeah.